stick, a stone It's the end of the road It's the rest of a stump It's a little alone It's a sliver of glass It is life, it's the sun It is night Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast This is review number 682 With our review of The Worst Person in the World I'm Christopher Snazy And I'm Stephen Miller and if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week of the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this film right here, uh, The Worst Person in the World, is something that we have, uh, we've had it on our short list as we have moved from film festival to film festival, and we've just missed it a lot of different times. We have finally had a chance to see it. Depending on where you live in the United States or potentially elsewhere, this might be coming to a film festival near you. You may be able to stream it sometime soon. Um, so this is one of those, just us, but also probably a lot of you, <laughs> if you are following festivals around you, can see it. Um, but yeah, so it's as I said, it's something we've been missing. But Stephen, uh, you finally found a place for us to catch it. Um, what kind of stuff have you been hearing about this um, as we've sort of missed it over the last several festivals? So w what I heard... Basically, the the narrative at Cannes, which is where this first premiered, is that Titan was kind of the outrageous movie that people like hoped would win for shock value, but that the worst person in the world was the movie that had the kind of consensus good feels of a lot of people of God, it would be nice if this movie won. Um, and so that that was the general feeling was like, yeah, we have these more maybe artistic movies on display, movies that are maybe more deserving of an award. But God, there was a crowd pleaser. It's rare for there to be a crowd pleaser. Let's root for the crowd pleaser. And that, w that was kind of what I knew of this movie. That and the fact that the, uh, the lead performance, uh, where I'm almost definitely going to mispronounce her name, uh, Renata Reins. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. just going to say it. I'm just going to say Renata. I'm just going to say that. Um, she had gotten lots of acclaim. Uh, she won Best Actress at Cannes that year. And everyone said, like, see this movie because she is great in it. And that is pretty much all I knew. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Planning on booking this movie, a, you know, foreign language drama called The Worst Person in the World, made by a guy whose last name is Trier. Um, I assumed what we were booking was going to be a, like, very heavy kind of drama uh, maybe very dark, melodramatic. Um, I was not expecting it to be a kind of like romantic comedy, which I would say is what this movie actually plays as. Um, it, it was totally very different. So I didn't know a lot about this movie going in, except for a widespread acclaim from a whole lot of people and general fondness in the hearts of critics who caught it. Well, um, I will tell a funny little anecdotal story. Um, I don't know how this factors into my thoughts on the film, but, uh, I had to stop this film 20 minutes before the end to go watch the, the last duel. <laughs> I came back and finished it. Can you tell me in a way that doesn't spoil for the listener what the ending minus 20 minute mark is in this movie? Um, it is two people spooning in a bed that is not at a house. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> wow. So that's what I'm working with. <laughs> I did 
this that didn't happen to me, but I did get it in my head that this was a 90 minute movie and it wound up being a two hour movie. And oh, yeah. so I would have made the same mistake if I had also scheduled a, a second appointment afterwards. The funny thing, too, is you started texting me about uh, the, the last duel. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see it in a little bit. So I stopped like I was literally just hitting play on the film and you started texting me. So I stopped to like have a little bit of back and forth. So, oh, so it's my fault. Yeah. Well, no, I could have been at least five minutes further. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> you, you ready to figure out what we really thought about this film, Stephen? Yep. All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer, which is not an English trailer. Um, so enjoy that. And um, I might cut it down a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a listen to the trailer and then we're going to come back and let you know our thoughts on the worst person in the world. Let's go, Pada. Okay. Okay. Hold it. Hold it. We walk you through. We walk you Okay. No. I said goodbye to me. I looked in the mirror. Then I began to cry. I leave my things behind for all to see and hope that she will understand why ending the game is like changing the name of your favorite song idag visste du är glad med mig visste du älskar mig så då fixar vi allt det andra jag älskar dig men jag älskar dig inte All right, so that was the trailer for The Worst Person in the World. Um, it is sort of uh, the story of this woman who is trying to figure out her own way through life and sort of her her uh, journey to find somebody she can sort of settle down with. Stephen Miller, what did you think of the worst person in the world? Uh, so as I mentioned, I thought this was going to be a kind of heavy, depressing drama. Um, so right before I hit play, I told Joanna it was going to be a heavy drama in French. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I was wrong on a number of... The French part is Sounds entirely bad. my problem. <laughs> Um, I mean, Joachim Trier, not, a, not exactly a French sounding name. Um, but anyway, so it's funny because I, I framed it that way. I hit play and immediately you go into a prologue that I can only describe as like Amelie or 500 days of summer level of like, we are going, it, it is like music montage. We will playfully jump through a person's life. There is a narrator yeah. narrating the events uh, of Yuli's life. Um, I think they pronounce it Yuli, right? I'm, I'm going to go with that. Um, sure. Like <laughs> narrating the lead character's life and just rapid fire going through all sorts of things that 
I couldn't even keep up with, like, in the subtitles. Like, it was moving very quickly. Um, and the prologue persists with that energy for, like, felt like 10 minutes or something. And I was feeling like, what what movie am I watching? <laughs> like, yeah. what is... This is not what I expect, you know, can <laughs> winning... <laughs> yeah. Can, can winning film by a legendary French director... <laughs> um, to be um and part of that i will say i don't know about you but for me like you could only stream this in a browser <laughs> um yeah and for me the stream especially connected by hdmi to my tv it felt a little choppy like it was choppy enough that like camera motions didn't always seem fluid huh. and there were certain times when i kind of questioned the look and feel a little bit um Maybe maybe you had a better one than that, but for me there there was just something that wasn't. Yeah, you're you're nodding. <laughs> yeah, for me the connection seemed fine. Like I didn't have any problems with the stream. Um, but okay. if I could tell a quick tangent, I did yeah. try to use the touch bar to skip the festival intros. And if you mm -hmm. ever touched the touch bar and scrolled to a different spot, it would transition to the next thing and would never start playing. You'd have to refresh everything. And like an idiot, I did. Prob that's probably also why I could have finished the movie before we went to the. <laughs> Yeah. I I just Someone didn't want to watch me in my like ten word text to you. <laughs> I just didn't want to watch the friggin' intro, which goes on forever, and I, I I I had to restart like six times before I was like, you know what? It's just not gonna work. I'm just gonna watch the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But anyway, sorry. Go on. <laughs> so anyway, my my AV setup with the stream wasn't wasn't perfect, and it was such a rush of energy and details I couldn't even catch at the beginning and kind of like overly cranked soundtrack that was never letting up. Like it was kind of nonstop music under the narrator, under quick cuts of this person's life. And I felt a little overwhelmed. I felt like I do not know what this movie is. How is there going to be two hours of it? <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what is this? And then it hit its groove like it I, I would say around chapter maybe three or four there's a moment where our lead character meets someone at a party um that i felt like the tone started to settle in to me in terms of what this movie is trying to do and from then on i was like i was pretty charmed by this movie i was pretty taken by it i feel like it is basically the story of a 30-year-old struggling to figure out where she fits in the world and what is expected of her and what she should do with her life. And it decides to do that by way of a bunch of different chapters scattered throughout this year of her life and her kind of romantic history um, that all feel tonally a little bit different. Like there are wild swings. There's some magical realism at play here. There's some serious kind of dramatic moments there are some very silly almost like sex in the city type um moment like it, it's doing a lot of different things and i found it charming in kind of its over the topness and how much shit it was like throwing at the wall to see what would stick um i think the reason it charmed me more than not is that i think the cast is all very good uh, especially the lead, whose name I'm going to butcher, so I'm not going to try again. Uh, and then also our old boy, Anders Lee, back from your favorite Bergman Island just a few weeks ago. <laughs> Wait, this really? Here is Axel. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he, he's uh, imaginary boyfriend uh, in Bergman Island. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew there was something yeah, I didn't I like know. about him. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I just think like the cast is very good. Um, there are moments that stuck with me that I liked quite a bit. Toward the end, it started to lose me. It gets to the point where it really feels like it's slowing down. It's being a little bit more dark. It is trying to be more openly about the themes that it is about. And I felt like I couldn't really follow it. Like, this is a movie that I I could feel just fine as watching, like, a series of vignettes about this person's life. But the ending made me feel like it was trying to make a grand statement. And I don't know what the fuck it's trying to say. Um, and that just kind of made me feel dumb. Uh, so I like this movie the best when it felt scattered and I don't know what it means. I don't know what it all adds up to. And quite frankly, I don't know why it is so roundly beloved everywhere when I think it is just a charming and quite nice romantic coming of thirties movie with a very, very good lead actress, but otherwise nothing that like blew me away in terms of being about more than that. It it just felt like a kind of experiential indie movie that takes a few big swings and I love it for the big swings, but I didn't feel like it added up to anything bigger than, than the swings. Yeah. It, it's funny. You talk about the beginning being like Amelie. I feel like it's sort of like Amelie meets Francis Ha meets uh, 500 days of summer, right? Like yep. that's sort of that, all that put in a big old bowl and just like shaken up and then dumped out right there for you. And like, when it first started, um, I, yeah, like I, I was kind of like, all right, what's, what's going on here? What are, what are we doing here? And I was kind of like checking it out. Right. And I was kind of like, all right, I'm feeling those three, <laughs> three films as a vibe. We'll see yeah. where this goes. Um, I, let me ask you this. What do you think I thought of this still? <laughs> film uh, I think, well, so the only wild card is the 500 days of summer thing. Um, I think there was one scene that you really enjoyed uh, that involves um, kind of wish fulfillment um, it, uh, or the ability to explore, yeah, explore the road not traveled or the road one might want to travel. Um, and otherwise, I think you didn't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, but then the 500 so Days well. of Summer wildcard means like, I don't know. I don't know. You could have like gravitated to the character of Yuli and had yourself a rip roaring good time. Oh, I did not gravitate <laughs> towards mm -hmm. the character of Yuli. Um, this is this is like one of those films where like where I think I've done it one other time on the podcast where I just like abstained. I'm like I'm bowing out. Like this isn't my movie yeah. to talk about. I I think this is one of those films that like it's a hundred percent me. Like Yuli is somebody that i would have dated and i would be one of the other characters in this film <laughs> and i could not watch this film and not just think that she is the worst person in the world <laughs> there you go i mean it's right there in the title when it started off i was like i wonder who the worst person in the world is and then about like 45 minutes in i was like oh it's her <laughs> um and i i'm, I'm being quite fl flippant obviously but this is it's not, it's not that she's an unlikable character or, or an unsympathetic, unsympathetic character. It is that she makes impulsive decisions that are not based on anything. It's like the slightest introduction of, a, of an other thing is the thing she goes for in that moment. And then she wants to literally have her cake and eat it too. She, she wants to choose the other meal option, but still be able to nibble at both plates. 
Um, yeah. And I find like I watch this film as though she is real and I'm watching a documentary and she makes me upset for the people that she encounters. Um, yep. Even that that scene that is triggered by a light switch that involves some thinking about what could happen. I was like, this scene is amazing. This scene is so great. And then when she flipped the light switch, I said, no, you don't get to just do that and make decisions based on that. <laughs> like I was, I was so angry. I was like, you can't just give me like a three minute sequence that is just amazing. And I love it. And then when the light switch flips again, I realized like what it actually means. And I go, no, I'm not having this. This is not good. Mm. And I wag my finger at her. Um, put it this way, by the end of the film, there is a there's a shot where she looks out a window and sees something. And I, in my head, I went, that's right. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I was happy for that result for the I, thing I she think, was, I think she is also perfectly happy with that result. I don't know if she's perfectly happy with it. I think I think she finds it fitting, but it's also it's also tragic, right? Mm -hmm. Because once again, there's things she wants, things that happen that make her think she wants something different then things that happen that make her think she wants the other thing again. And then all the time she, she doesn't have a, she doesn't have, so I'll say this, what this film is good at portraying is the interconnected lives of people who partner over the history of a person's life. The weird thing is, I don't know how much time is supposed to actually like, she definitely starts off not 30 yet. Then she's 30. And I don't know how old she yeah, is. I'm going to say it's it. like two, two years or something, yeah. three years, maybe. But you do. What, I, I what, don't know, because the later chapters might have a huge time jump. I think, not totally clear. Yeah, I feel like there has to be some time. There's definitely I feel like where the one X's career goes and how society begins to dissect his things makes me feel like there is a time jump. Right. Yeah. Maybe that. So I maybe feel like he's not. He's less not an X. He's more of like a starfish. You know, more <laughs> more lines. <laughs> That's true. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. Um, but but I. Anyways, what I, what I, so what I think this film does good is it shows that like you as a per person entering a relationship, come into that relationship with your own baggage, your own ideals, your own um, sense of where you want to be at some point in time. Over time, whether or not that relationship succeeds by the end of that relationship, you will have changed, revised, and adapted your baggage, your ideals, your dreams, and you will carry those into the next relationship. And I think that this film does do a good job of showing kind of how people change each other throughout life, even if you don't stick together. How a fling you had at one point can be a profound change in who you are as a person. Um, like th that kind of stuff is really, really interesting, but that is so yeah. periphery to her journey. Like this is a film where you could definitely watch a version of this film where she is the side character and your protagonist is acted upon by her. Right. So it's like, yeah, the film is called the worst person in the world, but are we like an omniscient observer of her or are we following her on this journey? Are we supposed to root for her or do we want her to just stop? And like that, I, mean, I don't. I, I want to say the fact that there is a narrator and it is cut into these chapters that intentionally kind of distanced you from experiencing the world with her means it is much more the latter. I, I forget what order you said it. I think we are omniscient here. Okay. I think we are watching what life looks like for this person and we are empathizing with her but we are not in her shoes we are watching with the knowingness of aha uh -huh, this is what it feels like to try to figure yourself out yeah 
I guess when I, when I when I watched it, I I'm less I'm less rooting for her to figure herself out and more feeling sorry for the people she touches throughout life. Um, even though like you know they might end up fine, but it's like when one of the things just in life in general, one of the things I I I don't like is I it's like it's like a a distest for the absence of schadenfreude like where it's like if somebody makes a rash impulsive decision that should not be rewarded and then they're rewarded but like the rewardedness thing is like a thing that i think they perceive as a proof that they made the right decision you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. for instance she she makes a decision changes her life route is in the gym one day and sees something happening on tv right you could perceive what she's seeing as like, well, she made the right decision, <laughs> right? Like you could see it as like, whoa, dodge that bullet. So it's like in my yeah. head, I'm like wondering if she is accepting that as confirmation bias that what she did in that moment was the, the best thing to do, even though she teaches herself later that maybe it wasn't the best thing to do. Right. Well, it, are, are you saying there's a, an off-ramp there's the fact of an off-ramp and where you go when you take that off-ramp. I've, do you think her having an off-ramp at all is a thing that she should regret? Or do you think it's just the way that she chose to do it? Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's the way she chose, like, everyone's choices are their own. But when you seek out a choice to convince yourself that the choice you don't... Like, if you... If you want to break up with somebody, break up with somebody. Don't go to a party looking for a potential hookup to convince yourself that you should break up with the person that you're currently dating. No, totally. Yeah. Like that 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 sort of behavior is is something that really aggravates me. And then if you do that anyways, you do break up with a person and then some event happens and you're like, "Well, good thing I did that." it makes me annoyed that you're using that as confirmation that the thing you did in the first place was a smart thing to do or a moral thing to do or a, a like, like you're, you're using the fact that something worked out to your benefit as like the proof that you should have done this all along when really you should just follow your heart and do what you want to do, but don't look for excuses for your behaviors. Just choose and do the thing. Like it, it's, yeah. I, once again, 100% personal. <laughs> I'm, I can't fault this movie. I'm just speaking from, from my heart. Like, I, I just don't... I found the character very infuriating. And yeah. I can have a character who makes all the wrong decisions, who is sympathetic, because I see her as a tragic character. To see a person make a bunch of decisions that she doesn't even seem like she really wants the decisions. She's just like, time for, time for a change. And then to have people hold her up later in life as being so valuable, like it feel it 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 just feels I don't know it, it feels aggravating. Mm. Yeah, I, I I get that. So I know you're you're saying a couple different things in particular how people hold her up later, which I took I took that part more as the fact that we are not seeing all of the story and she is not seeing all of herself either. And the way she's being held up is supposed to say like, 
there is so much more to your life than these like moments at a crossroads that you remember. Um, and like, I, I took that to be a hint at a relationship that we didn't get to see, basically. Not a statement for good or for ill of the things that we did see, but just a reminder that there is way more there. Um, to your first point, though, it's funny because Joanna and I had kind of similar conversations about this movie and the HBO Scenes from a Marriage, um, which both of them come down to the fact that what do you do with infidelity in a work of art? Because in my own life, I see it as a 100% deal breaker and a terrible, horrible thing to do. And I would have a whole lot of trouble sympathizing with someone who did that um, yep. in my real life. P probably I would. I don't know. I haven't had like close friends who confided in me and asked me to like be on their side after something like that. But in my head, I have like a strong moral that is horrible aversion to it. And yet a lot of works of art ask me to take it as a given that people cheat and we root for them even after and we understand why they hit self-destruct on a relationship and we flow through it as a part of life. And somehow I have no problem being in I am watching a work of art mode and then deciding that I am fine with empathizing even though in the real world I would be very annoyed <laughs> at the person. I don't know why. It's just like a thing about like watching movies. I like put on this other hat of this is how the movie world has told me adults behave, even though in my own life I wouldn't do it. And I would judge someone who I knew who treated people that way. Um, and I just slip into it. Whereas Joanna very much does not do that. And she is like, I'm definitely not on that person's side, right? They're like a piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well at least somebody's on my side steven <laughs> mm -hmm. that that was specifically about scenes from a marriage by the way oh, which okay, you gotcha. have to watch to, <laughs> to weigh in on she didn't call anyone in this movie garbage i didn't call her garbage either by the way there, I just... there's not cheating they they there is a, a clear example of that is i think there is a very delightful sequence about what it means to be not cheating do you think that scene is delightful i thought it was delightful and if I am in the shoes of the people who are involved or peripherally involved, like not in that scene, but who are impacted by it, I am furious and I'm furious at the people who would do this and I don't respect anything about why it's cute. And yet <laughs> in the context of a movie, I found it totally delightful. <laughs> Joanna did not. Yeah. It, yeah, like that, I think that's when I really turned on the character is is sort mm -hmm. of that like so like she is walking home and decides to, to crash a party minor spoilers for the film and i know the eventuality of what that party has to lead to because i'm watching a film that needs conflict so it must happen but the lengths she goes to to introduce that thing there is nothing natural about it she seeks it out and it's, it's like, that's why the, the magical realism moment later where she flips a light switch and then we get three minutes of brilliance um, followed by a return to that moment. I, the, the decision whether or not to stay with somebody shouldn't be the thought of kissing somebody else, <laughs> right? right? 
those are two completely unrelated things. Like whether or not she takes a cheating action is a different idea than I'm going to cheat in my mind. And then that gives me enough reason to break up with this person. And like that, like following her on the journey where she puts herself in situations that force her to make the decision that she already wants to make, but is not brave enough to make. So she tries to act as though others around her are causing that. Mm -hmm. Like this guy, no guy she's ever with, I think of as like, that's the guy she should stay with. Like, don't get me wrong. Like there's no one that I'm watching like, well, this is a perfect partner for her. And clearly they were happy. She's just dumb. Like that's not what I'm watching this with. with. The lens I'm watching this with is she doesn't, she's not going to be happy with anybody, but she's only happy to move on when she can find an excuse that she can use to prove they're not good enough for each other. And then what makes me the most mad is the beginning chain in this, the beginning link in this chain is a person saying this is going to end horribly. We should not be together. And then her voiceover saying, this is when I decided we were in love and then going Mm -hmm. back in and redirecting the entire arc of what we're about to watch. And it's like, that is her first crime right there. Right. Is like, She knows it's not good, but now because she is the one that is being broken up with, she is like, oh, I definitely love this person and we could be happy together. And then immediately there's like the montage of them just being super happy together. And it's like, I don't know, it it, it just, it really, it really just infuriated me. Like every time a decision is made that governs the trajectory of a person's life in this film. Mm Mm-hmm. See, whereas I I have the same read on that whole thing with the added feeling that this is a omniscient narrator who is wanting to laugh at, in hindsight, the predictability of the patterns we fall into in our romantic life. And her falling in love the moment she realizes there is a very good reason it won't work out. That is a cyclical pattern. And that's a pattern of her and her tendency to sabotage relationships or to like seek out things that aren't ultimately good for her. And I just feel like that is played in a, that's played in a way where we are supposed to find it resonant and think that we know better than her when we watch her make these decisions. And I guess the gap is just whether you're actively angry at her or not <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I did want to um, bring this up by referencing another movie that I liked quite a bit that I believe you didn't like, which I actually think this has a lot of similarities to. Um, and that is the movie Listen Up, Philip from many years ago. I don't remember if you ever actually watched it or not. I, I, I didn't end up seeing it. Okay. Well, so that movie... Not a lot has stuck with me in the intervening years. Um, I, I guess my Alex Ross Perry barometer, I don't know. I, I don't remember as much as I thought I did. But the main things I remember, A, there is literary voiceover narration constantly in the movie describing Philip's life. And it's described as if we are reading like a fairy tale or a work of literature or something about like Philip had always known that he wasn't meant to be with so-and-so. Um, this movie, I feel like, Similar tone, similar kind of like playful, we are going to narrate a person's love life as if it were a profound, 
you know, epic journey rather than just the details of being a human. Um, but the second aspect of that movie is it has characters that are behaving kind of terribly to each other and being indifferent, not being very considerate of each other's feelings. But it was salvaged to me because there was one very, 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 very good performance um, in the movie, <laughs> uh, which is, I'm blanking on her name now, Elizabeth uh, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Moss? Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. There is a scene in Listen Up, Philip, uh, where Philip uh, and Elizabeth Moss's character are having a breakup. And she finally gets to say all the reasons that he is, like, self-absorbed, narcissistic. Um, and then he leaves the room and we watch her for, like, two minutes go from laughing to crying to laughing again. And basically, like, having the wave of what it means to end a long-term relationship dawn on her and that scene is the only thing i remember and it was enough to put the movie in my top 10 that year <laughs> um, <laughs> and i feel like this movie is similar though i don't think it's going to be making any top 10 lists for me um yeah. in that i don't really know what it all adds up to but i have a handful of things i have the light switch scene i have um the breakup scene that follows it that i think is really well done by both actors like both yeah. characters and the waves that they go through a feeling and the kind of cuts that are just feel very true to me in the way a breakup kind of progresses you know and it goes through the five stages of grief and everything um i thought those were well done enough that i left the movie feeling ultimately quite positive even though you could ask me all sorts of questions of why do they do this then that then that and i'm like i don't know but it was damn good when it wanted to be damn good. Yeah, and and like I said, like I don't, I don't, I didn't hate the movie. I I just was like frustrated by it, and I didn't like this character. And I, whenever I'm sitting in a scene where I'm supposed to feel sympathetic for her, I always just felt like this is the you know bed you made. <laughs> Go lay it in. Quite literally, in some cases, um, but yep. what, what? But I, but I think the overall arc and how certain actions span out to other groups of people didn't didn't make me. But put it this way: I would be interested to see all the narrative trajectories be exactly how they are, but start the film from the professor, and then bounce between her and these men where the point of view changes to like watch where that person's life goes now and then now go back to her and see where she is. And then where it's not mm -hmm. her checking in with other people or switching between people, it is our point of view switching between people and then seeing how a preference over children can ripple through tendrils of multiple relationships over time and how you can yep. carry that thread forward. Like, that is a really interesting concept. Um, I don't know if this film does anything with that. Um, like you feel yeah, like she's going to learn like... something and then something happens in a shower yeah, and then she just goes like, and back to normal. The shower, th that was a moment where I couldn't tell if the film has more connective tissue than I'm giving it credit for and I just didn't, pick up on it because it it feels like the timing of that 
and the the origin that that is rippling from and what else has happened in the world like within the last 12 hours or something and certain things that a character says about what memories will live on and what won't. I, I don't know. It, it, there were things there where it felt like it was approaching some grand statements and I couldn't tell if it hit them and I missed them or if it like wasn't actually hitting any kind of grand statement and I was just like putting too much weight on it. But it left me feeling like I missed something about the movie. To, to me, it felt like the whole, you know, the scorpion and the alligator or whatever, where like the alligator is her striving to be a different person and while she's floating on the river that is the shower she just stabs the alligator alligator drowns and she goes well i'm a scorpion like that's that's kind of how i i took that yeah yeah that's interesting like i couldn't tell too because there's a epilogue in this movie i think they call it an epilogue um yeah and I don't know if that character is meant to be someone who has found her way, who has like learned something about herself, who has accepted herself as the imperfect Frances Hodge, Greta Gerwig character that she always was deep down. Like, I'm not sure what the arc of this character is other than the checking in on different stages in a relationship and seeing how they all connect to each other. Yeah. She, I mean, she, she definitely feels like she is like at first I thought it was going to be like, she is a filmmaker who is making the story of, like yeah. the journey she went on, but then she's really just like a hired person to take photos of the, <laughs> the actresses. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I did like um, there was one chapter, or at least part of a chapter, where the narrative is turned over to a different character, Ivan. Instead, uh, the narrator discusses what happened in his life in parallel at the same time. And that one made me smile a lot, actually. I thought there was a lot of kind of fun tongue-in-cheek things about um, dating in modern society and what are you supposed to care about and what does it feel like when you don't care as much as you're supposed to. That like I feel like the movie could have dabbled more in that stuff and it would have probably been a easier-to-digest movie for me. You're talking about the, the lead-in to the, to the bookstore? Yeah. Yeah, Encounter, yeah. I think, that, I think that those type of scenes are one of the things I don't like because I don't like I don't like the trope of all romantic comedies which is a film starts with two people who are supposed to be together but in other relationships and you have to spend half the movie learning that those people are not good for them so that when right. they eventually leave them and get together you're happy when really you could definitely watch two separate movies that are those other people <laughs> and about how their life fell apart because they, yeah. they like suddenly were left by a person who bought a book in a bookstore or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. I don't love that trope either, but then almost all relationships, if you trace backward for the people who did end up together, that is their story, right? Like, it is like wading through a sea of people who weren't quite right for you until the moment that timing meant you both were single at the same time, you know? Yeah, um, but these two were not single at the same time. Sure. Yeah, I know. I know. I get it. I'm just saying the, the trope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like obviously people there. are, you go through life dating and you tailor what you're looking for and then you find that in somebody and you stick with them. And that's awesome. That's great. Um, mm -hmm. 
you don't just decide somebody is convenient in the moment and is a good excuse to bail and then bail and then hope that it's convenient for them to bail as well. Yeah. See, I think the, the in-between step that this movie chooses to obscure but wants us to believe exists is you see someone else, you feel something for them that you haven't felt in a while, and it makes you realize that the current thing you're in does not have the spark anymore. And the in-between step of realizing that what you are currently experiencing is not love or at least is not the kind of love that you're after then it becomes an unfortunate aspect of timing that they immediately dive on to the thing that caused that existential crisis in them but i do think people who justify to themselves why they do that would argue that there's that in-between step that when when yuli is saying like I don't feel the same anymore. I love you and I don't love you. She is saying that in a vacuum with this character and not with a dot, 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 because there's someone else to her. I think it is two completely separate things. Um, I mean, whether that's fair or true or not, I think that is how these characters believe themselves to be. I would argue years later, she admits that it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's fair. Well, I think she also, um, she is younger and she hasn't revised her definition of love the way a person who has been around for a while maybe has when he, he insists about what matters and what is special and how you don't understand. And she is still chasing the high. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I I just want to be clear. I'm not pro any of the guys in this film. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I, I think the cheaters are bad. Yeah. <laughs> and there are, cheaters there never are two, prosper. There are two quite charming cheaters in this movie, uh, and that doesn't make it okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Steven, do you want to get to verdicts for this film? <laughs> sure. <laughs> if you're going to give us a must-see record of the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I'm giving this one a recommend with a caveat, uh, a more on the recommend side than a caveat side. So I actually find it interesting to compare this to The Last Duel because The Last Duel is a movie that I know exactly what it wanted to do. It underlines what it wanted to do. I know the message. And I think it is clunky in how it approaches that thing. Like, I know your goal, now get there. And I judge it for not delivering on it. The worst person in the world, I don't know what the goal is. I don't know other than snapshots of a you know young woman kind of discovering herself. I don't know what the narrative is. I don't know why the shower scene is there. I don't know why comic characters are what they are. There's a lot I don't know, but I enjoy how it gets there a lot. And I think I am someone who would rather enjoy the journey and not know why it exists then see a thing try to make a clear point and just maybe be clumsy and i have a feeling you are the opposite of me in that where you would rather if you grok what a thing is doing then you can kind of fill in the blanks when it fails and for me i don't need to know what it's doing as long as the highs it hits are there so i'm more recommend the caveat but the caveat i don't think this has the connective tissue i don't think this is a fully realized work or if it is it went above my head it was just a smattering of chapters that i enjoyed for what they were 
It sounds like uh, if uh, Adam Driver would have just asked her where the line is between cheating and not cheating, there wouldn't have had to be a duel. That is, that is right. <laughs> That's the lesson I think we've learned from the worst he, person he in the just, world. He just peed in front of me and then left. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I, I'm just going to do the abstain. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's fair for me to weigh in on this film <laughs> because... I just took it personally. <laughs> sure. But did, so I'll, I'll ask you now that you have abstained when two hours were over or rather when four hours and 40 minutes were over plus travel time when six hours were over and from start to finish, you had finished watching this movie. How did you feel? Did you feel like you were annoyed that you watched it a la Bergman Island? Did you feel pleasant about watching it but like yeah i don't know what that was like like where on the spectrum did you land so when i watched bergman island i was actively annoyed in a different way like i was like i just don't like the entire premise of this or any of what's being set up or anything also speaking of like putting yourself in situations that are compromising. I feel like just finding the cute bookstore guy and then just going and drinking on the beach with him and being like, show me all the Bergman spots is, mm-hmm. is not an appropriate action either. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but Hey, Scandinavia, they're more open, dude. <laughs> Apparently. Um, but anyways, the real point I was trying to say is with Bergman Island, I just, I just really was annoyed and I like hate watched the film and I was never going to get back on board with it. In this film, I wanted her, uh, I wanted Yuli to find whatever she's looking for. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't rooting for her. I needed her to complete her arc. And I think in the end, I feel she has not changed who she is. She is exactly the same as she was before. And the only thing that was like two things, which are basically the same thing, but from two different sources were causing her to rethink who she wants to be. And then she just let that all wash away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) See what I did there? (laughs) I see. I see what you did there. So, so yeah, I think by the end, I I felt like Steve Carell at uh, the end of Beautiful Boy or whatever it was, where he's like, I love this kid, but he's just just always going to be into drugs. Yep. <laughs> Except for in this case, it's not drugs. It's just other poor life choices. I kid, I kid, it. I kid. Was it Beautiful Boy? That was Beautiful Boy, right? Yeah, yeah, that was Beautiful Boy. There was, the, there was like the two movies that came out like... Yeah, there was Boy Erased and Beautiful Boy. Boy Erased and Beautiful uh, Boy, yeah, yeah. yeah. that was our, our boy double feature. I feel like in the span of like a week, we saw both of those. Yeah. Now we just say goodbye, right? Yeah, so Stephen, if people want to find you such a week, where can they do that? Twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. If you want to find me, they can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. <laughs> 
You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so at Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. And if you, know when, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will maybe come from the soundtrack to uh, this film. I like <laughs> try to take a bunch of pictures of the like, credits uh, because I feel like there was a fun credit song at the end of this film. Maybe I can find it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with a review of Dune. So hopefully you are ready for that one. Yep. I, and I think that credit song was an Art Garfunkel song, but I forget which one. Yeah.